This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lummer. I'm so happy you're here with me today. I got to tell you, in the last couple of weeks, I have just been getting so many great emails, so many of you reaching out, joining the Breast Cancer Recovery Group in Facebook, engaging, sharing your stories, reaching out to me through email, and just letting me know what you get out of the podcast and just what you what is what's happening with your journey and i i love it i love hearing from you i love seeing all this engagement and it just it makes my heart full it makes me so happy i've also had some wonderful reviews and i appreciate it so so much thank you for taking the time to leave reviews to subscribe to the show wherever you listen it really does make a world of difference for the podcast and i know that there are lots of lots of options lots of resources lots of information out in the world for you and i'm honored that you choose the breast cancer recovery coach podcast to go to and it's your subscriptions and your reviews that help make it easier for even more women who might need it to find so thank you thank you thank you one housekeeping thing before i get into the show I just want to remind you again, recently the URL, the the address for my website changed from lauralummer.com to thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com. Now, both of those will get you to my website, but if you use lauralummer.com, you will often get a warning and says, this website is not secure. I don't know why that happened. We're still trying to figure it out. It's a cloud thing. Who knows? I don't know. But I want to just assure you, it is secure. The website is safe to go to. And if you click past that warning, if it does come up for you, then you will go directly to the website and you won't see that warning anymore. It just pops up when you go to the page the first time. So I apologize for that hassle. That's always such a crummy feeling when you see a warning pop up. And I promise you, we are still working on it. But once you click past it the first time, uh, it, it should go away and you won't have to see it again. All right. So let's jump right into this podcast. I want to share a little story with you. A couple of years ago, I was at a conference. It was a fitness and behavior change conference. And one of the sessions was on weight training after menopause. When the presenter began this session, he stood up in front of the room in the auditorium and it was standing room only. It was a packed auditorium. And he said, what do you think is the reason why women go through menopause? And a woman from the center of the auditorium yelled out, so you can gain weight, stop liking sex, and give your husband an excuse to leave you for a younger woman. Now, the room roared with laughter at that, but there was some actual real pain in her statement. And the truth is, menopause and all that comes with it is a struggle for many women and for many survivors. It's challenging when it comes on naturally because we just 
don't know what to expect to some really big changes in our body. And it's hard for us to wrap our mind around and we're just not educated on it. And it can be even more challenging when it's a forced change that happens before you're ready for it because it's chemically induced and one day you're fine and the next day you're in menopause because you just had a chemotherapy treatment or you're taking hormone treatments to save your life that keep you in menopause. And it's a real challenge because you didn't get to go through perimenopause. You didn't get to like put your toe in the water and get used to the temperature. You just got thrown in. So today I'm going to focus specifically on a common side effect of menopause, especially when it's brought on as a result of breast cancer treatment, and that is low sex drive. I'll talk about sex drive, why it's lower after menopause, how hormones play a role in it, which hormones play a role in it, and how breast cancer treatment also has a role in having low libido. Now, I want to point out that sometimes low sex drive or no sex drive is not a problem because you may not have a sexual partner or your partner may have a similar libido to yours, and a low sex drive works for both of you, and you find other ways to enjoy each other and to express your affection. I have a beautiful friend, and she has been married for a long time, probably close to 50 years now, and we spoke recently, and she said that she rarely feels like having sex. She said, you know, maybe a couple times a year, but it doesn't bother her at all. She and her husband cuddle, they love to be together, and they talk openly about the fact that neither one of them really has much of a sex drive anymore, but their relationship and their friendship is still very close and very loving and so perfect. You know, there's no standard that says everyone's libido has to be at this level. It's whatever works for you. Low libido is only a problem if it's a problem for you, if it bothers you. And typically, it will bother you because you don't feel like you used to. You kind of miss the way you used to be. And again, that's a thought issue. That's kind of bringing yourself into this present moment. But there's some work that can be done there. Or if your partner is bothered by your low sex drive and it creates distance or conflict in your relationship, that's usually where it comes into play. So today we're going to talk about what happens to your libido in menopause, whether menopause comes about naturally or if it's chemically induced, and what you can do if your lack of sex drive bothers you or if it's creating a problem for you. Now, first I want to acknowledge that I know this is an uncomfortable topic for a lot of women. A couple of weeks ago, one of the members in my breast cancer recovery group posted a question asking if anyone else struggled with low libido. And she quickly followed that question by an apology, saying she was really sorry if asking that question offended anybody. Interesting, right? I mean, it's a very natural thing. And yet she was very concerned about asking it because there's a lot of sensitivity around it. So not only was no one in the group offended, but immediately little emojis kept popping up of women raising their hand. Yep, me too, me too, me too. So one of our helpful members then posted a link to to the Sex and Breast Cancer Conference that was hosted virtually by the New York chapter of Susan G. Komen. Now, the link to that conference and the presentations and websites and all the resources in it is posted in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash 90. 
But now circling back to the point of women being uncomfortable with conversations around sex, here's a statistic to put that into perspective. According to a 2007 study in the Journal of Current Oncology, only one quarter of the nearly 40% of menopausal women who suffer from symptoms of atrophic vaginitis sought help for their symptoms. Now, atrophic vaginitis is the thinning, drying, and inflammation of the vaginal walls. This occurs oftentimes with low estrogen levels in menopause and after treatment of breast cancer and on aromatase inhibitors. So that study went on to say that in addition to the direct sexual side effects related to low estrogen levels, breast cancer treatments often result in early and more severe menopausal symptoms in addition to fear, anxiety, body image concerns, and sexual dysfunctions related to altered pelvic health. Now, I want to be very clear about this and about these statistics because I want you to know you're not alone. You don't have to feel ashamed about this. If this is something you struggle with, I hope you'll become more comfortable with the discussion as you listen to the show and you check out the research that's posted in the show notes. Another study published in 2011 in the Journal of Sexual Medicine looked at more than a thousand women who were in their first year after their diagnosis of breast cancer. That study found that 70% of the women studied reported sexual function issues. 77% of those women had vasomotor symptoms like hot flashes, sweats, palpitations, And of those who did have those symptoms, the vasomotor symptoms, they were twice as likely to have sexual functioning issues. These issues were exacerbated even more for women who are on aromatase inhibitors and for women who were suffering from body image issues. Those women who were suffering from body image issues were two and a half times more likely to have sexual dysfunction. So ladies, that's a lot of women suffering. And it's time to talk about this and bring some awareness to what is a significant quality of life issue for many survivors. Let's talk about these symptoms first of all. Who feels sexy when they're having hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, and feeling self-conscious about the changes in their breasts? Yeah, like no one, no one does, okay? I'm almost nine years out of treatment and my husband knows he's got about a 30 second cuddle window before I'm too hot and he needs to get out of my personal bubble. I mean, in the last year or two, my hot flashes have gotten a lot less and um, more tolerable. So maybe he can have up to 60 seconds now, but that's pushing it. So in addition to low estrogen, testosterone levels play a very big part in female sex drive. Now, we ladies produce much smaller amounts of testosterone than men do. We produce testosterone primarily from our adrenal glands and our ovaries. And the average amount of testosterone in an adult female, so over the age of 19, is 8 to 60 nanograms per deciliter of blood. I'll explain that in a minute. And an adult male has an average of 240 to 950 nanograms per deciliter of blood. To put that into perspective, a deciliter is just a little more than three ounces, and a gram is one-thirtieth of an ounce. A nanogram is one billionth of a gram. So that is not a whole lot of testosterone, 
Yet, testosterone is very powerful stuff. In women, testosterone is important for sex drive, muscle to fat distribution, so your body composition, red blood cell production, and fertility. And according to an article in medicalnewstoday.com, symptoms of low testosterone can include sluggishness, muscle weakness, fatigue, sleep disturbances, reduced sex drive, decreased sexual satisfaction, weight gain, vaginal dryness, loss of bone density. Sound like some familiar symptoms? Now combine that with the fact that 97% of women diagnosed with breast cancer in the United States are over the age of 40, according to cancer.org. And when we're over the age of 40, we often have additional issues that compound those effects and symptoms of having low hormone levels. One of the big issues is that we lose lean body mass or muscle, and our metabolism slows as a result of that. Also, as we age typically, this doesn't necessarily apply to everyone, but typically our lifestyle changes and we become much more sedentary as we age. Sometimes that's a really sneaky thing. We don't even realize how it's crept up on us, but maybe the kids were young or the career was crazy or you traveled a lot for business or whatever, whatever. And then as you age and life gets a little calmer, a little cushier, we just kind of gradually become more sedentary. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes I hear often a complaint where I'll have women or even male friends of mine say, you know, they're in their 50s now or they're approaching 50 and they're like, I've got this gut and I don't understand. I do the same. I eat the same as I've always eaten. And often you do eat the same as you've always eaten, but you don't move the same as you've always moved. And according to Harvard Health, we lose three to 5% of our muscle mass with every decade of life after the age of 30, unless we're consciously and consistently building muscle through some type of resistance training. So that has a lot of impact on our health. It impacts the appearance of our body and it impacts our physical independence, our feeling of being strong and physically capable. And all of that undermines our self-esteem. So now we have hormone changes, changes to our breast, changes to your skin, depending on what treatments you went through, vasomotor issues, less muscle, more body fat, and many of us are on aromatase inhibitors or tamoxifen. And that, that course of hormone treatment can last from five to 10 years. Those bring on additional side effects of fatigue, hot flashes, joint pain and stiffness, vaginal dryness, mood swings, and especially aromatase inhibitors, loss of libido, decreased interest in sex. Now, when you hear these side effects, you may be like, mm, it's not sexy. But I want to point out that those are just sets of circumstances. And you do have control over some of those circumstances, especially lowering body fat and increasing muscle mass. So these circumstances don't mean that you're not sexy, but they may have an impact on your drive to want to have sex. Additionally, many breast cancer survivors struggle with mild to moderate depression during and after treatment, and that can also have a big impact on decreasing libido. So what can you do if low libido is something that is creating a problem for you and you want some relief?
First, it's important to have an open conversation with your doctor. When I was doing research for this podcast, I was shocked at how many studies I read that said that women just don't bring up this conversation. And in fact, many women think that their primary healthcare provider should bring it up and ask the questions. And because they don't bring it up and ask the questions, these women just keep silent and don't bring it up either because it feels uncomfortable. So I hate to be the one to bring this up to you again, but we have to continue to be our own medical advocates. If you don't bring it up, if you don't ask the questions, they're never going to get answered. And I know that's not an easy thing to hear because you're so sick of doctors and you're so sick of medicine and you're so sick of the medical treatment and doctor's visits. And I get that. And I know that firsthand. But if you're dealing with something physically in your body that could be supported through medical treatment, you have to be your own advocate. The work just never ends. I'm sorry to tell you, but you've got to step up and ask the right questions. And so hopefully this podcast is going to give you some ideas of resources to help you with those questions. Now, when it comes to hormones as breast cancer survivors, you want to be very careful always, always to work with a licensed physician. When we're talking about testosterone, even though we have low levels in comparison from women compared to men, you can have on the low end of that low level of female testosterone. So you can ask your doctor to run some blood work and have those testosterone levels checked. Too much testosterone can cause lots of unwanted side effects for women. And your body also has the ability to aromatize, sound familiar, aromatase inhibitors, it can aromatize testosterone. And aromatase is an enzyme that can change testosterone into estrogen. And that's something we don't want happening in our bodies, right? Another reason why it's important to talk with a doctor when you want to balance hormones or examine hormones. After I went through breast cancer treatment, I felt like such a hot mess that I sought out an endocrinologist and I had a lot of blood work done from the perspective of what an endocrinologist would look like to, and this is a person who specializes in your hormones. And it was an eye-opening, wonderful experience because she was just so smart and knew everything to look for and had a different perspective. She didn't just look at, you're in a normal range. She looked at where are you at? Are you on the low end of the normal range? Are you on the high end of the normal range? If you're on the high end of the normal range, how does that affect a different cascade of hormones in your body? So it's very, very enlightening. And it's something you may want to do to look for a specialist and work with an endocrinologist to check out your hormones if you're really bothered by low libido. Okay, so sexual problems in all people who have been through cancer are so prevalent that the American Society of Clinical Oncology created and published guidelines on interventions to address sexual problems in people with cancer. Mm -hmm. This is a real deal. You are not alone. Some of those interventions include psychosocial counseling, couples counseling, and cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a great way to change the way you think about a specific problem in your life. If dryness or pain is an issue that causes you to avoid sex, there are different moisturizers 
that physicians can work with, and the guidelines for interventions also suggest that doctors can use lidocaine to make women more comfortable with vaginal sex if they experience pain. Another suggested intervention is for women who have had hormone-positive breast cancer and are taking aromatase inhibitors to use doctor-prescribed DHEA, which is another hormone that's produced by our adrenal glands and can help with the issue of low libido and comfortable sex. From a dietary standpoint, eating foods that are high in zinc and magnesium may also make the way testosterone works in your body more effective. And these minerals can help testosterone to stop from binding to other proteins or to keep it from aromatizing into estrogen because of the way the minerals work in our body and with our hormones. So those foods, foods that are high in zinc can be things like pumpkin seeds, oysters, spinach, red meat, seafood. Also, in magnesium, foods high in magnesium, seafood is another one, beans, nuts, and green leafy vegetables, all are great sources. And it's really important that we remember every little bit helps. If you can tweak your diet, if you can check out what you're putting on your body, lotions, hair colors, makeup, fragrances, many of these things have chemicals in them that are called endocrine disruptors, meaning that they change the way your hormones work in your body. A great resource to look up any product you use to see if it has chemicals in it that are known to be endocrine disruptors is the Environmental Working Group. And I believe that's ewg.com. You can go on there and plug in your products and it will tell you the safety level of the product and whether or not there are known endocrine disruptors in there. So that's another thing that you can look at. In an article on breastcancer.org about loss of libido, it says that concentrating on having an orgasm may add stress to the whole situation, the whole issue of desiring and engaging in and enjoying sex, and that maybe switching your focus on the pleasure of other interactions, kissing, cuddling, may reduce some of the anxiety around it and actually restore pleasure sooner. And somewhat piggybacking on that idea is an article that I found in Psychology Today titled, Put Your Attention on Arousal, Not Orgasm. So we women tend to take a little time to get warmed up and get going. So focusing on arousal, even outside the bedroom, can really help to improve libido. This may be a good time to reinstate date nights, infuse some romance and flirting back into your romantic relationship throughout the day. Also, taking a very deep dive into how you think about your sex drive. Last week, I did a show on limiting thoughts. And even in a situation like low libido, it's really important to examine how you're thinking about yourself. What is the story you're telling yourself about how you feel? Are you telling yourself repeatedly, I don't have a sex drive? Even though that may be true at the moment, the circumstance may be true, it's a limiting statement and it doesn't allow for more possibilities or exploration. It's just kind of a dead end. Training your brain to change that thinking into something like, I'm looking for ways to increase my libido so I feel, you fill in the blank. Do you want to feel sexy again? Do you want to feel normal again? 
Do you want to feel closer to somebody? What is it that you want to feel? And then you have a new statement. Thinking this way helps your brain to be more solution-oriented, more creative, and opening to exploring more options. As you're examining your thoughts around your sex drive, changing your statements around it, you also might want to make a list of things that used to arouse you. And then look at your thoughts around why you found those things exciting and how can you work them into your life again. It's pretty remarkable what the brain can do to the body when you allow it to wander through fantasy land for a while. But if you stop that from happening by repeatedly telling yourself, I don't have a sex drive, boom, done, drop the mic, you're never going to get to that place of exploration. In fact, an article I read called Why Women Should Care About Testosterone suggested that having more sex or masturbating frequently will increase libido by increasing the level of testosterone in your blood. In that article, the author links to a study that showed small increases in the serum levels or your blood levels of testosterone in women after having orgasms. And it suggested that these levels remain elevated for some time afterwards. So exploring new things rather than closing yourself off may help you if this is a problem in your life. So we've got some medical solutions where your doctor may be able to help you by testing your testosterone levels, adjusting medications you're currently on, treating vaginal dryness and pain. And there are even different levels of moisturizers and pain relievers that they can use. So it's kind of like the beginner level of lubricants. And if that didn't work, we can move up and try different things. So you can explore that as an option. In an upcoming podcast, I interview Lee Navinkis, who is a nurse practitioner and a master injector. And she'll also tell you about injections and laser treatments that are now available to treat vaginal dryness and vaginal atrophy. So we also have the brain side, which is examining how you're thinking about your relationship. Asking yourself the right questions. Does your relationship need a boost of fun? Does it need more connection, more communication? Don't just put all this burden on yourself. I don't have a sex drive. What's around that? Like explore the possibilities. How are you thinking about your desire to have sex? Why do you think it's important to increase your sex drive? Are there other ways to foster a satisfying physical closeness and relationship? Have you examined your thoughts about what would make you feel sexy or more excited? And last but not least, we're going to look at the physical body, meaning not that this isn't all about the physical body, but what can you physically do to support this change in libido? I always circle back to this because it's so important as a foundation to feeling good about yourself. Are you exercising regularly? Are you consciously maintaining and building lean muscle tissue in your body? I don't care if you're 25 or you're 75, you are never too old to exercise and transform your body. Never, never. When you trigger the wonderful pathway of chemical reactions that exercise ignites, you begin to change the way your body looks and feels, and it changes the way you think about your body. It's incredible how working on the body, getting it up, keeping it active, feeding it well, and increasing your energy will influence your levels of self-confidence and build 
inner strength. Now, that's a pretty big menu of options to explore, but I wanted you to know that there are options available and that help is available if low libido bothers you. I strongly encourage you to check out the Sex and Breast Cancer online conference hosted by Susan G. Komen through the links that are posted in the show notes of this episode. They have an incredible lineup of presentations that range from feeling heard by your physician to pelvic floor health, managing pain and dryness, and even taking a mindful approach to desire and how to bring humor and acceptance into the bedroom. There's some great, great stuff, and it's all posted. It's all free. At the beginning of the show, I told you that this whole topic was inspired by a conversation in the Breast Cancer Recovery Group. And if you haven't joined that group yet, you can find it by searching on Facebook, the Breast Cancer Recovery Group. And there's a link to it also in the show notes for this episode at the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach forward slash 90. I invite you, even if you think and you say, hey, I'm not the kind of person who joins support groups, that's okay. Because when you're in a Facebook group, you don't have to do anything. No one's looking at you. But you can also often find help and be encouraged and inspired by posts and comments from other people. So you can kind of just linger there if you're not one to join and you don't feel comfortable putting your personal story out, that's fine. There's hundreds of women in here and everyone can learn from each other and everyone learns and participates at their own level. So you could do what's comfortable for you, but you might just find some benefit in being a part of that group. So I invite you to come be a part of that community of survivors, of women who are looking to make positive change as they move forward in their life after breast cancer, to think in healthier ways, and to overcome limiting thoughts and support each other through these long-term side effects that we all experience. So I hope you'll take advantage of it and check that out. As another option, super excited. I know I've said this in the last couple shows, but I will be opening Enrollment for Revivify my 10-week online coaching program in July. Revivify is an amazing, hands-on, lots of personal interaction, 10 weeks of looking at releasing pain and trauma, renewing your body and mind, regrouping your relationships and the environment that your life functions in, and reviving your life with intentions and goals and inspiration. It's an awesome experience and it will be opening again in July. More details to come. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss anything. And you can also go to my website, thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com and get on the Revivify waitlist so I make sure and I don't miss getting you good information and you know when it's open and you can enroll. Okay, I hope this podcast has helped you. That even if it's given you one new little nugget or resource that you can check out to help yourself. Because the idea here is to put suffering behind us. If there's something about your life you're not happy with, you can change it and make it better. I know this to be true. So please check out the resources, thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash 90. And until next week, be good to yourself and please be good to each other. You've put your courage to the test Laid all your doubts to rest Your mind is clearer than before
before Your heart is full and wanting more Your future's at the door Give it all you got No hesitating You've been waiting all your life This is your moment